Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, you can subscribe, and please do if you haven't as yet, TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. And actually, if you haven't as yet too, uh, please subscribe to our podcast as, as well. You can find it obviously on Apple Podcasts, you can find it on Google Play, you can find it on Spotify, you can subscribe to it any of those places. Please leave a review also on Apple Podcasts if you wouldn't mind. Uh, Ish, man, how are you doing? Doing good. I uh, had trouble staying awake yesterday during uh, a big pile of nothing for most of the day, but other than that, <laughs> um, pretty good. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, there was the 2.30 midday slate, yeah. and then there was nothing. It was, was it was dull, man. And even the two thirty slate, they weren't exciting. Like nothing yeah. was like nothing was like. Oh man, I really need to keep up with this game. It was just like I guess I'll just leave it on Baylor Texas, even though Texas is in the pressure cooker, and we'll talk about that later. But like I was just, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I didn't have any inclin or inclination to like look at other games or like oh let me see what's going on over here. It was just kind of like okay, everything's kind of playing out the way yeah. we thought. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, obviously, I was at Baylor Texas, and and yeah. That was just one of those games where they were up 7-3, and you're like, there's no way. There's yeah. just no way that, <laughs> that Texas comes back and wins this game. Yep. And, uh, yeah, not great. <laughs> not what you're looking for. Um, but, you know, because I'm trying to think, too, because even, like, even the national games weren't that good. Because, obviously, no. it was even it was SOCA on Saturday, you know? So, I mean, yeah. it's like... None of the SEC teams are really playing real games, except mm-hmm. for, like, a handful. Um, you know, there, there were some upsets late, which made things kind of interesting. But it yeah. uh, actually actually won, you know, that we'll, that we'll touch on maybe at the end that might actually have an impact on one of, uh, one of our teams. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about that in a second. But um, let's go ahead and get right to the College Power Poll. Uh, okay, so... Number 12, unfortunately, familiar place. I'm pretty disappointed in this team, honestly, because I, oh boy. UTEP, come on. Come on. Yeah, that was bad. (laughs) Yeah, I, okay, so they were playing against New Mexico State, uh, and New Mexico State is a team that did not have a win until they beat Incarnate Word not convincingly last week. Mm -hmm. And, uh... Still, they came into the week as seven and a half point favorites against UTEP, and I was like, come on. Why would New Mexico State be favored by eight points, basically, against anyone? (laughs) And apparently, uh, thanks to the nine-point win, there was good reason. (laughs) Yeah, man. Oh, my gosh. Like, they couldn't really stop the run at all, which is something they've been pretty good against. Um, Right. Ten yards per carry by by New Mexico State. Uh, Jason Hundley had, I think, two big touchdown runs i believe one of like 50 and one of like 60 so that kind of buoyed his his total for the day but like still like they, they gave up big plays on the ground uh early i think they got him in the hole uh they had to to where they had to play catch up afterward but man yeah it's rough and like yeah. it sucks because like you know when you get a good performance from this offense you know if utep puts up 35 like right based on I, based on their defense what we've seen this year it's like okay that should have been you know that should have been a win but for some reason, this was the game that their defense decided to, <laughs> to yeah, play probably play. its worst game of the season. Right, right, right. Well, and it would have been a little less surprising if they had gotten just blitzed through the air. But yeah. uh, but no, I mean, just to completely be, you know, non-factors on the ground. Uh, 
you know, Huntley, 14 carries, 191 yards, three touchdowns. Like, mm-hmm. what is that? You know, yeah. what is that? That's, that's not acceptable from any defense. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kyle Oxley, I think the numbers look a little bit better than maybe he played, but but he did play a good game. You know, he was 24-38, mm-hmm. 358 yards, two touchdowns. And, and the issue was he had a back-breaking interception. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that kind of ended up almost putting the game away. There was a chance for them to, to go down and take the lead in the fourth quarter, and, and that's when he threw the pick. Um, yeah. You know, hey, good news. Uh, Jacob Cowing still appears to be for real, 69 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. I was, but, talk, uh, I was actually talking to someone on staff, and they were saying, like, there's some – they really, really are into what they have with him. Like, they yeah. are extremely high, and they, they, they feel lucky that they got him because he – they are really high on him. Let's just put it that way. Where did he come out from? I, I don't uh, remember. I believe him. it was, isn't it Arizona? Yeah, he is from Arizona. He's a he's a freshman, man. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. he's gonna he's gonna be really good, man. Yeah, yeah, I think that he's shown a whole lot, and I mean, I think that you can really Maricop- say Maricopa, that, Arizona, Maricopa yeah, High School. I think that you can really say that basically since you know the last uh, you know two years at least they mm-hmm. haven't had a single consistent uh, playmaker at receiver. You right. know, and and Cowing is coming in here, and and yeah, I mean he's one of those guys that wasn't really recruited by anybody else, mm-hmm. and um, no, he's he's a big time player. I'm excited for them. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I feel like it's a bit at this point, so I have to point out that Deion Hankins didn't get a carry, and and obviously they lost a football game, so obviously those things are related. So uh, just have to just have to make sure and bring that up every single week, and maybe someday they'll hear me. Uh, okay, uh, moving on. Uh, number eleven. I moved him down, Texas State. Yeah. It don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not really that UTSA deserved that much to move ahead of them, but you know what? At some point, man, this is just I don't know. This, this is just bad. At the, <laughs> at what point do I think I tweeted this out. I don't know what they're looking for in in Tyler Vitt anymore. Yeah. Like I just don't I don't get it. Like I was talking with a <clears throat> one of the uh, blog writers I know from App State, yeah, and he was just and he was we were we were just kind of messaging back and forth, and he was just like, he's he said he was watching it with a bunch of watching the game with a bunch of App State fans, and it's like they don't understand why Vitz the quarterback like they don't they don't get it like they're just like he's missing open guys he's. I, I don't know, right? They, they said if Vitt wasn't the quarterback, they would have been really scared that they were going to lose that game for uh, the first half or so. Did um, uh, <clears throat> so, did um, is Jensen back from the concussion protocol? Jensen, I think he's still in concussion protocol. But even then, okay. like you have two other quarterbacks right. on the roster. No, no, no. I mean, I, 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 I guess that the thought process is again. I, I think that they're going to be reluctant to move Gibson back just because right. you know it's a big deal to make the move. Um, yeah. You know and. And I understand the thought process of we're going to get murdered by App, so, you know, why throw Cedric Case out into that? But again, obviously, I think that's more of the argument for why he should have played earlier, you right. know, because because you you are already within the point where he's a guaranteed redshirt. You know, I mean, like, yeah. it, it's over. And he's fine. I, I would expect to see him maybe a little bit against Coastal, but, but then at the same time, I mean, you know, we've heard some good things, obviously, but maybe... There maybe things aren't quite as good as we think yet, but it's still one of those things where you feel like you have to try, right? Right, <laughs> you know? right exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I admittedly did not watch much of this game at all. I saw Tyler Vip, he threw one really good touchdown pass. Um, yeah, 
to, but just before halftime, that was a kind of a strike in stride. But again, the receiver was kind of breaking away, so it wasn't you know it was it was a, it was a throw an FBS quarterback should be able to make. Um, right, right, right. So yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe if we're in the mood for conspiracy theory, maybe uh, maybe Spav isn't getting Case out there too early, just in case he has too much to go off of and uh, and pushes uh, Brady McBride for the starting job, and then Brady transfers, and then Vit transfers, and then he's in a mess. You know, maybe that's all that's happening. I mean, I'll tell you what, uh, if there's a guy oh, who, who understands that you got to manage your quarterbacks well, it's Jake Spav at all. That's true, man. That's true. <laughs> so uh you know i'd be i'd be curious to see what happens i mean i think that we'll see a little bit of case next week um but i also thought we'd see case a little bit by now and that hasn't happened right. so so who knows man who knows but uh tech state down at number 11 utsa again they didn't really do anything to earn this but uh but you know they have four wins <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true they do have four and, wins and uh, I mean, again, they were they were always a little overmatched heading into this FAU game, which which they lost pretty pretty handily, um, forty to twenty six. But I mean, saw Jordan Weeks for a bit. Yeah, we did. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah, I, Actually, I, I don't know. Did did Narcisse leave with an injury or something? Or uh, I didn't see actually, because um, because Narcisse played. Narcisse yeah, yeah. was ten for nineteen with eighty six yards and two touchdowns. Man, sure. I. I, I they are, they are wizards over there, man. I don't know how they're getting this kind of production out of some of these guys. I know. This is wild. Yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, like, I think that, um, you know, I can't remember. Uh, Jason Rollins is the name of the defense coordinator. I know that he's uh, he's a Frank Wilson guy. He's mm-hmm. been there since the beginning. Obviously, he was, a, I think he was even an associate head coach when they came on behind Pete Colding as defensive coordinator. So he's been on the staff forever. Uh it's. I don't know whether whether Frank would ever consider making a change because of that, because it's you know his friend. Yeah. Um, you know, but like I think the offensive staff has done a pretty good job this year, and uh, ju- for what they've been given, yes. Like just just you see the improvement. I think that there are tangible things that they have gotten better at. Now, part of it is that. They have a running back like Sincere McCormick, which the staff last year didn't. Mm-hmm. But and also, I mean, it's a year of development, obviously, on the offensive line. Like that always helps. But it, I think it's been pretty exponential growth this year. Even over the course of the season, I think um, they've done a better job of of putting their guys in good situations. And and remember, uh, whatever for whatever we want to say, like this still isn't even their quarterback. Right. None of these guys are even their quarterback. So I mean, I don't know. Like, it's kind of just been a foregone conclusion that Frank's done there. You know, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I wonder if they've showed enough on uh, on offense that they feel okay bringing him back for at least one more run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I can, I can kind of see that line of thinking. Yeah, because because there has been improvement. That's the yeah. big thing. Is there yeah. has been? I mean, it hasn't showed up in the win loss column, which is obviously disappointing. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that that. Everyone hoped that they'd be back fighting for bowl eligibility, which which hasn't really happened. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, again, this wasn't a horrible performance. I mean, they were getting blitzed in the first half by FAU, but then they really did fight back. And I mean, I don't know. They we'll see what they end up doing. I mean, I know obviously, you know, with the buyouts and and everything, like nobody wants to fire Frank. You know, everybody loves Frank, but but I'm curious what goes into their determination in the end. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hey. 
guess what? We've got a new team in this bottom four for the first time oh, since I've man. started covering this state. <laughs> I know where you're going, and this was hilarious to watch. <laughs> Can we get Ashley Bakel on the line? I don't I don't know. Uh... <laughs> oh, North, North Texas. Texas. What are you doing? Oh, God. I. Okay, look. Obviously, everybody knows. Well, honestly, I, I say this basically about every team. I mean, I I basically love every team in the state. Sure. You know, I mean, it's it's especially the group of five teams because I think that's just a lot of fun to watch them. There's none of the uh, you know sort of extra outside stuff. You can kind of just enjoy them for what they are. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, one of the most fun parts of my, the last two years has been covering Mason Fine. So this sucks from that perspective. <laughs> um, but uh, North Texas, number nine, the first team to break that bottom four. <laughs> since I've been working here for the last basically two years. Uh, oh, man. So North Texas loses to Rice, if you don't know what we're talking about. Yep. <laughs> um, I I was talking with somebody over there who joked, man, with the way things are going, I'm just glad that we're not going to, that we don't, uh, we're not at risk of being Rice's first win, because obviously they beat Middle Tennessee last week. <laughs> yeah. So at least there's that. Um. The thing that's mind-boggling about this is that the bad unit for North Texas was their offense. Mm-hmm. Two, 238 total yards against Rice. And oh, Rice's defense has grown, absolutely. But we talked about on Wednesday, like, they have been pretty good at the whole year in run defense. Mm-hmm. And they have been very average all year in pass defense. And it, it, not even average, they've been bad. And... You know, for Mason Fine, I mean, 163 yards and a pick. I mean, that's – obviously, I'm not saying that it's his fault, but, like, it's just a poor effort. It's just a poor across-the-board effort. It's the kind of efforts that, you know, are are almost just mind-boggling for a team that could still make a bowl game, a team that came into the year with conference title hopes, you know, a mm-hmm. team with the best quarterback in program history. <laughs> you know, it's just it, – it's it's hard to watch this. Yeah, second uh, scoreless in the first half. Yeah. Um, and I believe, let me see, Brett Vito had it, uh, the second straight week that the Mean Green had held without a point in consecutive quarters. Um, and, yeah, because LaTeX held them without a point in the second and third quarters last week, or right. two weeks ago. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The- uh, it was... It was you kind of brought it up. You were like, "Hey, Rice is up like what was it, like seventeen nothing at one point when you when you brought it to our attention." Yeah, it um, ended up becoming twenty nothing. Yeah, at it the ended half. being twenty to nothing to Rice. Um, credit to Rice. Um, yeah, I guess tons kind of, of credit to Rice. I guess I and they're uh, number about, eight. Obviously. I was about to say, yeah, we can probably switch over to them right now because they're right ahead. Um, right. Golly, that that's that's what you want to see, right? That's <laughs> that's what. <laughs> I, I don't want to sound like I'm not giving credit to Rice because, you know, obviously they, they're the ones that game plan for this. But it's so hard to look at this from a positive Rice perspective and not a just a purely cynical North Texas perspective. Um, I get that. But Tom Stewart, but Tom Stewart was really solid in the game. Uh, they didn't really have an explosive down offense, but um, Austin Trammell was really solid. Um, yep, he, he almost had 100 yards. Brad Rosner was really good. Like, I don't know. There you go. <laughs> Intellectual brutality, man. It wasn't pretty, but they just made sure that North Texas wasn't able to do anything. Yeah, and 
Rice actually brought out another running back, who I, uh, Charlie Booker. Uh, I think. Mm. Oh, he's a. I think he's an older guy actually, uh, who who basically just hasn't played for um, very much the last two years. And they brought him out, uh, ran him twenty two times for seventy eight yards and a touchdown. And I mean, <laughs> it's just. I don't know, man. There's just. It's funny because you look at these numbers and you're like, all right, Rice had two hundred passing yards. Rice just had you know one hundred twenty two rushing yards on three mm. yards per carry. Like, you felt like you'd be okay with that. Yeah. But, um, obviously, an interception and a fumble, both in the first half, they were just killer. You know, those are the sort of plays that you just can't make. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, oh, l- look at that. Um, uh, <laughs> I foreshadow, not foreshadowing, whatever. Spo- it's not spoiler. Whatever. Manor coach uh, Jimmy Mitchell's going to be on <laughs> Tice Football today, tomorrow. Oh, look at that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know what... Uh, a, a tease. There we go. A tease. Uh, God. Oh, my gosh. Go. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> nice. But, yeah. Uh, credit to Rice, man. They have two FBS wins now, um, you know, so they will not finish anywhere close to the cellar. The, uh, and they still have a very, very winnable game against UTEP left. Yeah. So, um, they go on the road to El Paso. Uh, that should unironically be a very interesting game so um yeah i mean rice could end the year on a three game winning streak (laughs) after losing their first nine games so wild yeah it really is all right number seven houston uh they did what i hoped that they would do which is um handle the first poor team that they've played basically or second basically since conference play started like Mm -hmm. It was Tulsa and it was UConn. Those were the only two truly winnable games because of how crazy the rest of the schedule was. Right. Um, and, and even next week, they have to play Navy, who Navy's still alive for the American Championship. Like, <laughs> this sucks, man. This sucks. <laughs> but, uh, but they handled Tulsa 24-14. Um, kind of a weird game. Like, Houston's offense was pretty hapless. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you know I believe they had a pick six I believe they had I believe Clinton uh, Tune also missed a play he was knocked out of a play I believe yeah I think that he he was taken out a little bit um you know he only threw the ball twelve times he only ran the ball fourteen times I think, like I think Duarte Joseph Duarte tweeted at something because um, yeah because well, Holgerson threw a pass yeah yeah, yeah. but um. Yeah, I mean, just kind of a generally hapless day. 231 total yards for the offense. And, and actually, on the other end, I mean, <laughs> classic uh, classic Tulsa stuff. They throw for 381 yards, and they rush for negative one. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, not great. Um, and then uh, Marquez Stevenson also, I mean, yeah. was basically a the game breaker return, in this right? game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so he had a kickoff return to basically ice this game. Um, and... and uh, obviously, Houston, again, had a pick six, I believe, and then also nabbed another interception to kind of ice the game. I mean, it it was a team effort. And that's, I think, one of the better things that you say is that, you know, if this team was just winning games and being competitive because they were scoring a lot of points, then, mm-hmm. you know, kind of what's the point? You know, because right. that's what you had last year. And that's what you had at the beginning of this year was a team that scored a lot of points and couldn't do anything else. I think that you feel good about the fact that uh, that Houston's being competitive in games in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he let's see, Tuna was yeah, it was just for a play. He was getting checked out on the sideline. Okay, okay. in the second quarter. So, yeah, <clears throat> but but um, you know, not his best game, but whatever. I mean, 
they won the game and and he played well enough. So that's all that really matters. So Houston uh, firmly at number seven, number six, Texas Tech. Another close game, another chance to win, another blown opportunity. But, <sighs> man, and, and this was against Kansas State, you know, who's a good yeah. team. I But I said it on Twitter. Like, this team in Texas Tech is so close. You know, this is mm-hmm. this is what you hope to see from a first-year staff. You hope to see that they are competitive in basically every single game. And they have been competitive since that Oklahoma game basically every single week. Like, mm-hmm. they haven't gotten blown out. And, you know, that continues here with a 30-27 to 27 loss uh, at home against Kansas State. And obviously you want to have that game. But um, And I think they were technically favorites going in, which I honestly didn't really understand if we're being completely honest. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Tech fought hard. Tech has continued to fight hard. They've fought through their depth issues. They've fought through their injury issues. Uh, they've fought through having to, you know, obviously create a whole new offense for Jet Duffy. Like, they've done a good job. And, um, you know, I think that that staff has this team trending, in my opinion, completely in the right direction. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Basically, this one was, I believe, Youngblood had a 100-yard kickoff return that was basically more or less the difference maker in this one. Yeah, yeah, well, because the score had basically been within one score, and it got back to one score, but that was sort of the thing that that put Kansas State ahead two scores in the third quarter and, uh, and kind of kept Tech a little bit at arm's reach. Right, right. And so, like you said, I mean, it, it's unfortunately been the same thing for this team. Um, but, golly, if they can just... if they, And again, like, you know, putting... Coming away with close wins, things like that, that's just experience, right? That's just like right. knowing how to close out games. Yeah, exactly. Those, the, It's such a... Uh, I think Bill Connolly used to have a, a thing about it where it's hard to to have a metric for that, but it's like the... It's almost like the, the fumbles thing, right? If right. a team happens to be just randomly really good at getting fumbles that typically are not supposed to go to your way as many times as you know they do, um, close games are this, something similar, right? Where it's like teams aren't always this unlucky, and eventually that flips, or eventually your talent, you know, puts you in position to where you're not in that situation in the first place. Um, and hopefully that's next year. Um, and you, I mean, you kind of had a little discussion on twitter about it but i think jet duffy should look into transferring and you think jet duffy has a realistic chance to start next season which i don't know if i agree but i certainly think that it's closer than i think i probably realized uh when i tweeted that yesterday yeah i i'm curious i'm i legitimately am very curious uh mm-hmm. obviously at the same time like we talk about managing quarterbacks you want to keep alan bowman happy to a certain extent too right uh but i mean i think if you're duffy man like Go through spring camp and see what happens. Right. That that was my that, that's definitely my thing. Like regardless, he should go through spring camp, and yeah. then kind of you you kind of force Matt Wells's hand to kind of expedite the right. decision. Because obviously, like if he says, "Yeah, we're not waiting until fall," then Jet Duffy's like, "All right, I'm out." Like you know, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to wait. And so it if if Matt Wells thinks that Duffy is good enough to be the starting quarterback over Alan Bowman, he'll be motivated to say that in the spring and to kind of quell all speculation. You know. Um, and then if and at least at least let Duffy know behind the scenes, that, right? Exactly. You know, like, hey, you're realistically with it in this, right? Right. Yeah. And and I think that that's you know I think that's a fair thing to ask for. And um, I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously the big thing if you're Wells, 
that you worry about is quarterback depth. And I mm-hmm. understand the idea of wanting to try to keep everybody around. I mean, I think it's obviously going to be a huge priority. Sure. Um, because I don't know if they have a quarterback committed as yet in their 2020 class. Obviously, uh, they plan to bring bring back Alan Bowman. Mm-hmm. Uh, they obviously plan to bring back Maverick McIver, who's a guy who everybody I think is really high on. Um, they'll lose Tyner, and then obviously Duffy is sort of the wild card over there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I mean again, they could they could bring in a Tyner type to kind of uh, you know play some backup snaps. But obviously, at the as same of right time, now, they do not have a quarterback commit. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't sure if any of their athletes were technically quarterbacks or anything, but but yeah, right. I mean that's kind of what you're working with, and and obviously like not that it'll happen like this, but but Houston's a good example of why you want quarterback depth, mm-hmm. and so um, you know I I'd expect that they'd either add somebody like that, add somebody through the grad transfer market. Um, the only thing that can be tough about grad transfer market is that uh, guys, you know, that's why Tyner was a little bit of a unique case because guys usually don't want to come to a place to be like a third string backup, you right. know? And so that's where you start to run into problems. But yeah, I mean, who knows, you know, who knows? And, uh, and I think that again, Duffy has as good a shot of anybody as winning the job in my opinion, because Bowman hasn't played football in a year, you know? And, 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 Honestly, when he played in this offense, and he only had three games, but he wasn't that good in it. Honestly, like it wasn't a perfect fit right away. Like it, mm-hmm. like it kind of was with Cliff. Um, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I think that Bowman will eventually be a very good quarterback in this offense. It just, I, I'm just saying, it hasn't happened as yet. And so, yeah. uh, you know, and I'm curious. I'm curious. Obviously, Tech, you know, losing some key players next year, but it's not a huge senior class by any means. And you know, you'll get back Jack Anderson, uh, who's been out for the year basically with an injury. You know, you have a lot of uh, experience on that offensive line, which I think is important. You bring back a lot of your top defenders. Like, there's <clears throat> there's definitely pieces here, man. Like, I, I think that there could potentially be a pretty good turnaround next year. And and like you said, I mean, you usually w- lose these, uh, these close games when you're young. And mm-hmm. eventually, the luck starts shifting a little bit. And by... Your second and third year, and and oh man, you have to look no further than than in Waco to to see if that's the case. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, you know that luck eventually shifts, and and eventually you start winning those games. So uh, I again, I mean, this is all to say, I mean, I'm still very high on Texas Tech. I mean, I still think they can give uh, Texas a scare next week, honestly. And yep. um, and I'll be really curious to see how that one goes. So uh, moving on, number five, TCU, uh, TCU. They made this game against Oklahoma a game. Yeah, really late. Um, I it seemed like I think Oklahoma was up what twenty. <clears throat> I forgot when it was when I started. Like, I think it was twenty one zero. Right. Yeah. Like, I started kind of started to lose interest, and then all of a sudden I look up and it was they were within a score, and I was like, oh okay, let me. I probably should pay attention. And then Jalen Hurst decided to do his random "I'm going to turn the ball over twice" <laughs> thing that he always seems to do. Um, every game and it just depends on if the team's good enough to capitalize on whether or not Oklahoma pays for it. But, uh, I believe he had a fumble and then a bad interception. Um, that just kind of put TCU in good positions to take advantage. And turns out even though Oklahoma's defense still isn't that great, they're really clutch and they know how to absolutely turn it on when they need to. Cause in the final minutes, Max Duggan could not do anything. Yeah. Yeah. No question. And, um, <clears throat> 
I mean, and that's to be expected, obviously, from a young sure. quarterback. Sure, he, but he it was, was just... it's definitely like, you know, we've seen this Oklahoma yeah. offense or defense be put in bad positions and just crumble, you know, a la last week. But yeah. um, <laughs> they just absolutely knew how to – it's really weird. Uh, you know, I think Alex Grinch's first season has been, you know, more probably shading net positive, but still leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I think it's definitely net positive just versus what they've had. Right. But he's definitely made this team more aggressive in terms of forcing things to happen. And unfortunately, this week it was Max Duggan and a true freshman Max Duggan uh, that had had to face the brunt of that. Right, right, right. And so, um, no, weird game. I mean, ultimately, like, TC only finished with with barely 200 yards like that's the funny thing about it is like it ended up being this competitive but eventually it feels like Jalen Hurts carelessness with the ball has to cost him right I mean it almost did last week against Baylor obviously uh you know with three first half turnovers but like now you got Bedlam which is a game that now has lost a little of its luster because Spencer Sanders isn't playing but like you know, still a very competitive game, still a bad atmosphere, still you know all those things and like you have to go play Baylor again and the funny thing that you say about this is, like, C.D. Lamb was back in this game, and I know he probably was a little limited, but, but like, Gary Patterson looked like he knew how to take away that deep ball and make him afraid to throw, you know? And and that's the thing is that I, I think that Oklahoma hasn't played a team all year. Like, we assumed last week that if C.D. Lamb plays, this is obviously a different offense, and, and it would have been. But, but, I mean, you also saw Hurts threw one deep ball against Baylor, and it was picked off. You know, like, like a lot of those C.D. Lamb catches against Iowa State, even, were jump balls. And those are the sort of balls that, when you play a team with great defensive backs like TCU and Baylor have, those are the balls you can't throw. You know, those are the balls that, that screw you. And, I don't know, man, it, I, I just, it feels like... At some point, just that game's going to happen. And granted, we're we're really close to the end of the year, and and I mean, it might just not happen. But it feels like that game is going to happen, where all of a sudden, all these turnovers, all these bad decisions, all these bad throws are going to fi- come back and and really end up costing Oklahoma. But but I say that they're eleven games through the year, and and other than making that Baylor game a lot more interesting than it may sh- maybe should have been, it hasn't as yet. Yeah, I'm, I I just I guess I just don't know. I mean, well, one I I don't think Oklahoma's the state the team that's going to happen against. I think it is either Baylor or if they happen to sneak in the playoffs, I think it is one of those teams obviously. But, you know, yeah. Drew Brown just isn't that guy that's going to be able to I, I I think really lead an offense to capitalize off those mistakes. Um No, no. Regardless and and of Charlie where, Brewer wasn't even necessarily for, at times right. last week. Right. No, exactly. He had to be kind of put in great field position for him to take advantage of it. So Right. I think, yeah, I, I, CD Lamb's an interesting added wrinkle now, um, just because, like you said, we didn't see what this offense looked like at full power against Baylor. Um, still was unconvincing for the most part, but obviously somebody like CD Lamb alters that. Um, part part of me wants to say yes, I agree that obviously this has to catch up with him, but part of me is like you like you mentioned, <laughs> they've managed to win this without him, without without uh, right, right, him right. playing perfect in these big games. Like look back at Texas, look back at obviously Baylor, Iowa State, like they've snuck away with these, and they just could be that team that just I I think the thing is I think that they're so above the mean. As for far sure. as offense is concerned, oh, like sure. it's them in Ohio State, 
And they're so above the mean that these mistakes just, it doesn't matter. Like right. I'm under that, but I'm really just under that belief right now. We're just like, it does not matter that Jalen Hurts can throw two picks or fumble twice in crucial spots. Cause guess what? They're just going to get back there and they're going to be, they're going to be in the same position on the very next drive. And yeah, you know, whether that's a Jalen Hurts thing or obviously a more of a Lincoln Riley thing, um, you know, I think it is obviously more of a Lincoln Riley thing, but I, man, it's just, it's weird, but <laughs> I think they've, they've survived this long and, um, which means now they'll go out and lose by 10 to Oklahoma State. So. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like if this Oklahoma offense played with last year's Oklahoma defense, that this team would be like 8-4 and four right now. Oh, for sure. Like, this team definitely, like, uh, let me look back. I'll go ahead. And I would, Texas yeah. probably beats them. Baylor probably beats them. Yeah. Uh, Iowa State, they didn't play that great. Um, Kansas State still probably beats them. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like you're probably looking at you're probably looking at three losses. <laughs> yeah, and and because I had I've had people ask me, and I just think I just not not to sell it, but I think it's a ridiculous question. I've had people ask me like, where does Jalen Hurts rank among the you know the three quarterbacks at Lincoln Riley? Oh, that's coach? not that's not even fair. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, well, no, and, and I'm like, he's third, how, but it's not how, his fault. <laughs> no, no, no. Like I I just don't know. I just feel like we're talking about him like he's one of those guys. And and no, like he's definitely well like uh, here's the thing. Like the thing with Jalen Hurts is well here oh actually I should say the thing about Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray is that they is, are transcendent talents. They're transcendent and they're ideal. Yeah. Right? They're ideal for what Lincoln Riley wants to do, which is have a quarterback who can move a little bit, right? That's not their primary skill set is they're not they're not Jalen Hurts running the ball, right? Kyler Murray yeah. obviously is a is a mobile quarterback. Baker Mayfield's obviously a mobile quarterback, but that is secondary. They're great pocket passers with big arms who can hit 45 passes a game, right? Yeah. Um Jalen Hurts is not that guy. He's a guy who you want to hit 20 to 30 passes a game. And then also run 20 times because right. he's going to get, he's going to average eight yards a carry. Like completely different players, completely different styles, but it's just those two happen to fit what Lincoln Riley does best, uh, yeah. better. Yeah. I, I just think that it changes the game when you don't have a consistent downfield passing attack. And I right. think that, you know, CD Lamb has been so good that it's created one out of thin air, mm-hmm. but I mean, we saw last week. I mean, when C.D. Lamb was out, they're like, all right, Jalen, don't throw the ball more than five yards down the field. Like, just right. don't even try because it's not going to go well against this defense. So, I don't know. I'm just really curious. And and in a lot of ways, this is kind of me being hyped for, for the rematch in the Big 12 title game that we're going to get because I think it's going to be a really interesting game. And, and I'm curious to see, you know, I think that there were a lot of fluky things on both sides about that game. And uh, and I'm curious to see sort of what's the thing that rises to the top uh, with CeeDee Lamb healthy, with both these teams coming back, with, you know, Phil Snow, an elite defensive coordinator, and Lincoln Riley, the offensive mind of our time, you know, mm-hmm. scheming against each other. I'm really excited to see that. So um, anyway, that's a, for, for more, obviously, check out uh, Dave Campbell's Oklahoma football. But um, let's move on <laughs> to number four, <laughs> Texas Longhorns. Uh Again, they went down 7-3, and it felt like it was over. Yeah, man. Oh, my gosh. Um, God, we. I mean, we're of the idea that you don't get better by firing coaches. Right. Um, something's got to change. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been... <clears throat> 
I've been steadfast in my, you know, in my, in my stance on that. You know, you don't get better by firing coaches. Continuity is the best. And for the most part, I agree. Yeah. But golly, man. Um, and I don't want to say anybody, anything has changed on the offensive side of the ball because it's Tom Herman that's running that offense and he has been for the past two years. Yeah. Um, but God, they just look so bland right now. Yeah. And I don't know how much is just the offensive line not being that great or them not really having a consistent running attack um, due, partially due to injury, but also partially due to, you know, Keontae Ingram just not getting back to 100%. Roshan Johnson kind of regressing back to being a quarterback who's converted to running back. Right. Um, and the receiver is just really not taking a step forward at all. Um, or maybe it's maybe it's just the play calling has been you know unimaginative and so they're not put in positions to really be downfield threats at all but well and, and something I think has to change i think that one thing that you say too though is that um you know sam ellinger talked about it after the game too like baylor doesn't give up deep shots you know oh like, that's true very like true. Very that's true. that's just a a factor of them dropping eight basically every play is that mm-hmm. You know, their whole defense is to limit those deep shots. And, yeah. you know, because somebody asked him a question where they were like, you know, there were some of those deep shots available and, you know, you just weren't able to convert. And Sam was like, no, I, I don't think they were there. Like, I really yeah. just don't think they were there. And and part of that obviously is, is just Baylor's defensive talent. But part of it is obviously that, you know, they I, I don't think they were very imaginative with the, yeah. with dealing with this defense. And um, look, there's a reality too, obviously, that uh, that if you don't have good offensive line play, having a great offense is very difficult. And and actually, mm-hmm. that's something that you are still seeing, you know, uh, happen on the Baylor side. You know, you're still seeing that um, that inconsistent offensive line play means that the offense is just good and not great. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the issue, is that if you're Texas, you've gotten every offensive line recruit basically that you've wanted for yep. the past, you know, forever, basically. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, on top of that, you went and hired away uh, your dream offensive line coach in Herb Hand, you know, mm-hmm. who who you were like, this guy's going to come in and fix everything. Now, like, and and I think that everybody here sort of thought that was a great hire, obviously. I mean, I think that, you know, I think he's on the short list of best offensive line coaches in the country. But, sure. uh, <laughs> but it hasn't changed. And, yeah. and you know, you, you sit here and you're like, man, Zach Shackelford has taken a step back. And, and again, mm-hmm. you can't always say that this is coaching. Sometimes it's just the player. But it's like, Shackelford has taken a step back. Um, this is the second year in a row that they have relied on a grad transfer to come in and shore up their offensive line. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's only so much that I think you can expect, even when you do bring in a good player like Parker Braun. Um, and, you know, they basically they suffer one injury, and all of a sudden Denzel Okafor is getting killed by James Lynch. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of what it comes down to. And... And you're at the University of Texas, man. You you have every recruit you want. Like right. I, this just this can't happen. You know this this just can't keep happening. And you mentioned it right last mm-hmm. last night. Uh, you know the the defense was fine. I think it, it, was it actually fine. played like, pretty. You know, granted, you know we talk about Baylor not being explosive on offense in the first place, but we've seen them put up points on bad defenses, yeah. and they didn't really do that. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that you know I think the defense was fine. They did. Enough to win, in my opinion. Um, right. You know, against an average team. Right. Uh, obviously, Baylor's an elite team at this point, and that's not necessarily the case. But, like, I think that if you if you said heading into the game that you held Baylor to 24 points, I think you'd feel pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the issue. 
you can't fire the offense coordinator because buddy it's your offense <laughs> you know like <laughs> if you fire coach. if you fire tim beck that is nothing but you know that, it's that not is, doing that's window it's, dressing it's yeah exactly like he if anything he's the good part about this offense because guess right. what he's the quarterback's coach right. he's what's helped sam ellinger be <laughs> right. this good right? right and so people you know understandably people want to look at Ohio state when Tom Herman left and say, Oh, look what Tim Beck did. Right. They weren't as explosive. They kind of were very, they were very conservative, very, uh, below the first down marker type of routes and things like that. And look what happened after he leaves. Right. Ryan day takes over and they're explosive again. And it's all Tim Beck's fault. Right. No, that's not the case. Um, because again, people complained about that the first year and what happened? Tom Herman took over after the first year. So yes, Tim Beck was there year one. Right, yeah. that he was yeah. calling the plays there. Things weren't looking good, obviously. Tom Herman took over the second year. He's been the play caller since that point. Tim yeah. Beck's basically been a glorified quarterbacks coach. Right. He has his say in the plays, obviously. He has his say in the offense. But in the end, Tom Herman stiff arms him and says, look, I'm calling the plays. This is my offense. And so when, when you're complaining about this offense being unimaginative, being boring, being very conservative... It's a Tom Herman thing right now. It's not a Tim Beck thing. Yeah. And, and, and I feel a, like he's still going to be the fall guy. <laughs> right. Well, and, and that's the thing. He is nothing more than a fall guy if they fire him. Because, yeah. uh, because again, like, like obviously Tom Herman doesn't impact the defense at the same level. If you make a change on defense, you could legitimately change scheme. You could legitimately change calls. You could mm-hmm. legitimately change a lot of things. That's not what's going to happen if you fire Tim Beck. And now, 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 here's something I do... I think that's worth considering. Yeah. Does Tom Herman... Now, this this would be a radical thing for Tom Herman to do. But yeah. the only thing I can see, and if this is the case, I probably... Be, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I would understand making the move, is bringing in an offensive coordinator who he can feel confident in putting the reins back in, or putting the hands, the reins of the offense back in their hands. Here's why I feel like that will never happen, though, is mm-hmm. that you have to... Uh, hand over the play calling during a year that is your most critical year as a head coach where you could get fired at the end of. I cannot see Tom Herman hiring somebody who he has enough faith in to do that. Yeah, no, it's totally understandable. And the other thing too is just at a certain level, who is that guy? You know, I mean, I know that it's it's simplistic to say that, but like, who is that guy? I mean, and I'm curious to see what direction he goes in. I don't know. Obviously, all of his relationships necessarily. I mean, um, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, like, he pointed out <laughs> David Beatty's been on that staff for the last, uh, you know, two years in an analyst role. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's somebody that they'd consider, but I also think that that's somebody that nobody at Texas would be excited about. Um, you know, I, I think that, like, if you want to get imaginative, like, you know, call Brett Lashley or somebody like that. I was just going to bring up Brett Lashley, yeah. but yeah, it's like, but it's all, you know, what's their relationship like? We have no idea. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Now, I do know, obviously, that um, that Brett Lashley and Herb Hand work together at Auburn. Now, that's mm-hmm. that's a connection, but yeah. but at the same time, like, the other thing, too, is that, you know, you head into year four, a critical year four, where, again, if you go if you go seven and five next year, you're getting fired. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even if you go in four, like people might still ask you to be fired. Depends, depends on what those four are. Exactly. I believe. Yeah. Bo, I believe. I like. I like the way Bomani Jones on Twitter puts that. He's like, they can go nine and three, and it depends on what those three are. Yeah, I think he said they can go ten and two. It depends. Right. On yeah, what ten and two. two. Yeah. It, it. I mean, if it's Kansas and West Virginia, like. Right. Right. <laughs> no. It, you know. So it's just there, there's just a reality is like um, 
you know, that that I think that Tom Herman is going to be firmly on the hot seat next year. And again, we can we can get into, you know, <laughs> how quickly things can change and maybe how much people can overreact. And that's that's another reason why, like, obviously you can't fire him right now. <laughs> you right. Know, that's why right. it's silly yeah, to that's, do that. Yeah, that's not that's not he's not getting fired this year. Right. Uh, obviously, everybody, uh, everybody smartly bringing up the, <laughs> the Charlie Strong only got this long. So, you know, there, there's that. But uh but uh, Herman avoided losing to Kansas, so that bought him the year. <laughs> God, what if they did? What if they were six and six? Oh my God! What if they had to play Texas Tech next week for a shot at bowl eligibility? Oh my gosh! Yeah. I will. I will say, if if Texas loses to Tech, then I think I think that there will be some conversations. Like I think that right now it's very much a, a an assistant conversation. Yeah. I think that losing to Tech would at home, you know, mm-hmm. on Black Friday, national TV, all that stuff. I think that there would be some conversations. Now, again, I don't think that they lead him being fired, but I think that it would lead to way more wholesale changes than than what we're talking about. And great, like I mean, a lot of things have to happen before we can before we even have to really get to this point. Like we don't mm-hmm. need to talk about Tom Herman's job security right now, really, right. but. Uh, it's just something to watch, and and look, I know that obviously fans have started turning on him, and that's something that you always worry about um, mm-hmm. because because you know I mean college football more than almost any other sport, like the fans actually kind of have a say, you know, and mm-hmm. the boosters kind of have a say, you know, because if they don't show up, if if money's not flowing in, that's what this is all about, and I don't know, I'm curious, I I think that. For me, again, this was always a rebuilding year. Like seven and five is a little disappointing, but I I thought eight wins was probably reasonable for this team because of how right. much they lost, and then obviously the injuries. I don't even think the injuries change how I really look at this team that much because I thought no. that I thought that youth would be the bigger issue, and right. um and and honestly, at times it hasn't been. So uh. I think that 2020 was always the year that I thought that, you know what, you have to go in and, and really start to win games this year. But, like, that's why I don't overreact to the Todd Orlando stuff, you know, because you're just so young. And that's mm-hmm. why I, I don't overreact to the Tim Beck stuff or the, the offense stuff, because I think that you're still developing. Okay, the offensive line play is the one thing where it's just a little, you don't get it, right? Like, that's the one mm-hmm. where you're just like, this doesn't make any damn sense. Right. But, um, but I don't know. I mean, that's... I, I think that you clearly gave them 2020, and I, I honestly, <laughs> I know that it doesn't work this way because he's at the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd give the vast majority of his staff that uh, that whole 2020. You know, like I, well, like, I, well, like, I, I, I agree again. I agree because as pedestrian as the secondary has looked, like Jason Washington is a proven secondary coach, like defensive right. backs coach. Uh, Oscar Giles has been there for generations, right? Right. He has, he's, I have not known a Texas staff without Oscar Giles. So like, right. I don't, again, these guys aren't the issue. Um, and this defense isn't the issue, obviously. Like you want to see development and that, that's where I think 2020 comes in, Right. You you throw these guys out there, get whooped in 2019, have a spring, have a fall, come out in 2020. Okay, we better see an improved unit, or then we can start making changes. But give them that chance to develop these players. Right, right. 
Again, and, and, and obviously, uh, you know, obviously we're going to wake up tomorrow to the fact that Tom Herman has no assistance left. He just fired them all. So, oh, yeah, yeah. he just, he, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Malcolm no, Roach I, is the new defensive coordinator. I am the only good coach on this roster is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right, all right. So, uh, let's move on to number three, Texas A&M. Uh, this game kind of went as I thought it would. And, and I mean that in the most complimentary way to Texas A&M. Uh, I thought that they'd be able to um, to do some things if they opened up the passing game, and mm-hmm. they chose to do that extremely, extremely late. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, uh, I think it was. Let's see, I tweeted out yesterday. This is a bad day for the Kellen Mond's a bad quarterback crowd. Yeah, can, can we just end that? Fine. Can we? Yeah, end no, that? he is a good quarterback. I'm sorry, AM. I know you guys are frustrated with him on away games, and he, why aren't you, Johnny? <laughs> Why aren't you Johnny Manziel and why aren't you or Jameis Winston even? It's like keep like look at the other quarterbacks in the SEC. Right. Like, no, I mean, like, legitimately. So you got Joe Burrow, you got Tua Tagovailoa, you got Jake Fromm, you got three of the top probably three quarterbacks in the next draft right there in the conference. And then guess uh, what? I, I think only two right of those there. guys, unfortunately, right now. <laughs> probably right now. Sure. If healthy, all three of those guys. Yeah. And then right there at fourth, you got Calamond right there. <laughs> So congrats. He's not better than three top five NFL draft picks. But guess what? He is right there behind them in that category, basically by himself, because I'm only thinking of Joe Nix or Bo Nix as far as being the other good quarterback in the SEC. I definitely don't think Bo Nix is on that list. Well, I'm saying saying like in terms of any in terms who's who's next I'm talking about. Because that's it's a drop and it's probably Bo Nix and Bo Nix is far worse than Kellamond. I think that you are making a case for like Kyle Trask, Garantano. Like, uh, no, Does Ten- Tennessee's turned their season around a bit, but I don't know how uh, much is he, he's gotten benched a whole lot too. Um, okay. They've they've gotten to move some guys in and out, so no, he's gotcha. he's definitely not. Um, you know, uh, South Carolina lost Bentley. Helinski's only been okay. Like yeah, like it's Kel- it's clearly like it, Kellerman is clearly fourth, and that's a distant fourth because again, if you if he's not fourth, you're saying he's a top five NFL draft pick. Which he's and also on top not. of that, and on top of that, like. With Tua out, he's third. You know? Right. <laughs> he's better than Mac Jones. And, and the thing is, is like, when you look at this upcoming 2020 season, like, obviously he'll mm-hmm. be back. You know, obviously he's not leaving early, as far mm-hmm. as we know. Um, he is the best returning quarterback in the SEC. Yeah. That's that's crazy. <laughs> like, because, yeah, because who, again, because you got Bo Nix and you got, uh, Again, Trask. Sean Robinson. Tra- oh, oh man! <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. Oh, remember, man. remember, he's coming in next year. Yeah, that's not not ideal for being totally honest. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not good. It's really, really not good. And so, no, I mean, it, look, I have been on the Kellen Mond is fine train all year long. And on top of that, like we we joke about home Kellen Mond and road Kellen Mond. Yeah. Okay, so so here's the deal, right? Road Kellamond is a fine quarterback. Home Kellamond right. is a supernova. You know, like right. he is like he is like, oh wow. I mean, obviously not Johnny Level. Like, nobody's Johnny Levels, but like he is He's really that, good. He is he is an I, I almost said all American caliber quarterback. Not quite that, but but you know, right. he is an all SEC quarterback at home every single week. And on the road, he is an above-average starting SEC quarterback. And let me see if I can pull up a splits real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, at home, he's 66 percent completion, thirteen touchdowns, twelve, uh, two interceptions, seventeen hundred uh, yards this year. Away, sixty uh, percent completion, just an under a thousand yards, 
Um, six touchdowns, four picks. So, like, yeah, at home, he, man. <laughs> and look at he's those awesome. road games. Look yeah. at the road games he's played in. He's had to play at Clemson this year. He's had to play at Georgia this year. Like, that mm-hmm. schedule has sucked, you yeah. know, and he's still putting up pretty decent numbers. And and obviously, I don't even think we mentioned his line. He was 25 for 42, 275 yards and a touchdown. Like, and and he kept he's them in this game. 19th in the country in QBR. Yeah. He's a pretty good quarterback. Again, and and here's the issue, right, is that we're in the state of Texas, and, like, you know what? Like, you look at the state, Sam's probably better than him. Like, sure. And that's fine. And mm-hmm. and you know what? I think that there's – definitely heading into the year, I think it's been a little bit of a dis- disappointing year, but, like, Charlie has been better than him, and that's mm-hmm. okay, right? And, like mm-hmm. – you know, and obviously, like, Mason Fine and Derek King coming in were guys who we thought would be better than him. And that's okay. You don't all have to have, you know, an all-American quarterback. And the reality is, is that Kellen Mond has played good enough for this team to be to win nine or ten games. The rest of the roster hasn't lived up to it. And, and that's been the issue. I mean, the fact that against this Georgia team, an elite rushing defense, granted, they rushed mm-hmm. for negative one yard, and they were still in this game. Yeah. Like, well, here's, come on. Here's the one thing. When you compare them to... I'm going to say this as far as he's concerned it's in comparison yeah. to the other quarterbacks on the, in the state. Yeah. So you look at Sam Ellinger, you look at Charlie Brewer, right? Probably the two guys that are, you know, right there in terms of like the, the guy's clearly better than him right now, right? Yeah. How many of those, how many bad games has Kellen Mond had compared to those two this year? Right. I'd say less. Right. <laughs> like, right. Kellen Mond at the worst, Kellen Mond has given A&M maybe a six probably at his worst. Yeah. Right? And... And like Brewers Sam, had a two. Sam and Bre- yeah, Sam has had probably a four. Brewers had a two. Like, yeah. <laughs> Kellen Mond's floor is higher than both those guys. His ceiling is not as high, but his yeah. floor is definitely right there. He's not right. gonna. You're not gonna lose a game because of Kellen Mond, right. at least this season. Yeah, and and, and his median's probably a little lower, but like, sure, it's close. Like it's it's yeah. again. You mentioned like you know if if his if his lowest game was a six, like like Kellen Mond's dealing out pretty consistent eights, you know, right. and like yeah, exactly. And, and like, it's just the fact that, again, Sam has been really good this year. Like, Sam has not been the issue, obviously, at Texas. And, and mm-hmm. Charlie has just had a whole bunch of late-game drives. Like, I think that he, he's firmly in that top group now. And and obviously, just with the way this season's gone, has passed up the Mason Fines. Obviously, Alan Bowman's been hurt. Obviously, Derek King's been out. And, and like, he's been a top-tier quarterback in this state. So, uh, And mm-hmm. the other thing that I think that you're impressed about, you know, we don't have to talk about come on this whole time, is... Georgia is a team that wants to run the ball and do nothing else. Yeah. And AM, pretty damn impressive. They held him to two and a half yards per carry as a team. Mm-hmm. It, it was a it was a really cl- I mean, you know, we thought it'd be close could just because of how pedestrian Georgia's looked on offense and how we know AM can potentially look on on offense against right. even even against a good defense. Um if we said if this was played in a phone booth that, you know, we liked AM's chances. And sure enough, like <laughs> Yeah. It was pretty close. If they, <laughs> if AM opened up the game earlier, they yeah. they probably not just could have won this game. They probably would have won this game. You know, if they just had yeah. a little bit more time, because actually, you know, they they had the ball driving with a chance to take the lead late in the fourth quarter, and, and just got stopped up and had to punt it, and then they just couldn't get a stop, and yep. uh, and the game just ended. You know, and like if if there's just a little bit more time, if you start doing that earlier, and that's that's again, I think we talked about that on Wednesday with Jimbo is like he doesn't want to do those things, you know, and and I think that's something that you know having a guy like a, I mean, 
just to throw out names like like a Hugh Freeze, you know, like somebody who's just going to be like, screw it, let's set them on fire, you know, right, <laughs> like right. somebody like that, a Dan Mullen. Like, I think that that helps you in those games. But at the same time, like to be a great team, you obviously want to have your system, you want to have your, your sort of thought processes and stuff like that. So that's the flip side. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, I was very impressed with Kellen Mond in this game. And, and I think, you know what, I wanted to see A&M be competitive in one of those four nightmare games. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to see them have a shot to win and, and have, you know, uh, moral victories, obviously, whatever. You don't want to have those. But, like, I wanted to see them have a shot to win one of those games and look like they belonged on the same field with any of mm-hmm. those teams. And they got blasted by Clemson. They got blasted by Bama. Uh, the score was close, but they got blasted by Auburn, too. And now mm-hmm. in this game, they were competitive. Next week's going to be tough just because I think... I'm curious to see what happened. And we'll talk about this in the midweek. But what happens yeah. when Jimbo plays a team who's gonna be playing on the front on with this foot on the gas right yeah because lsu is gonna be going 500 miles an hour and i'm curious what jimbo does when he's facing an offense that's not gonna let you control the game and i would imagine that nobody has forgotten last year's game in that oh my god (laughs) lsu is going to try to score 500 points if they could right so it should be a lot of fun and and look if a&m can Keep it competitive, right? Like even yes. if it's through three quarters, man. Like yeah. that's do this show show what we saw this week, right? Yeah, that's that's all we're asking for. And then twenty twenty again, same deal. Twenty twenty yeah. is the year where you bring back a lot of production. You bring back a senior quarterback. You bring back a more experienced offensive line. And and look, here's another program where the offensive line is not looking so hot. But but that's beside the point. Um, oh my gosh, I'm looking at their schedule right now next year. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you want yeah. you, you want me to you want me to go through? Go through it. A and M. Please continue your excitement. Okay. Abilene Christian, North yep. Texas, Colorado, two, three, Arkansas, four, at Mississippi State. Uh, I'm curious to see what they look like, but I think that's five. Fresno State, six, at Auburn. And, uh, I'll, I'll count that as a loss. I mean, I don't know if it will be, but I'll count sure. it. Sure. At South Carolina, win, seven, Ole Miss, eight, Vanderbilt, nine. <laughs> At Bama LSU. Tough, but, you know, and, and so then there's really Five, six, seven, three eight, losable nine, games. Ten. That is, if they can beat Auburn, that is 10-0 and 0 heading into Bama. Yeah. Yeah. Contain your excitement, Aggies, but 2020, <laughs> it, was, it was the year. It was always going to be the year. Yeah. I didn't realize how how bad their schedule or how easy their schedule was. Yeah. Well, um, that's the flip side, that's right? That's insane. That's the flip side is is when you get all those teams on the road and obviously you don't get Clemson next year, which is a right. big deal. Such a stupid you, know, you don't get you don't get Georgia in the cross conference. Like yeah. you just go back to regular SEC play and and hey, you know what? That's Dear a little God. bit of a that's a little bit of a of a nudge saying, hey man, like the West has kind of been uh, you know two three teams <laughs> and like but the by rest the way, of it. But by the way, LSU and Bama. Yeah. No Joe Burrow. No yeah. Tua Tagovailoa. Right, and you get uh, you get LSU at home again, which helps. Yeah. So um, I mean, oh my gosh! Yeah. All right, I'm I'm trying not to get too far ahead of ourselves because we might yeah. have to deal with uh, confident Aggie fans, which is one of the most dangerous <laughs> things on the planet. Well, don't worry. At least we won't have both confident Aggie fans and confident Texas fans at the same time. <laughs> That's true. Uh, uh, the hashtag there can only be one. But, <laughs> all right, all right. Let, let's quickly go through these last two. We're coming up on an hour here, so. Uh, so we got SMU at number two. Uh, I was pretty disappointed. Um, they allowed a big touchdown play against Navy to lose 35-28. They're officially out of the American Athletic Conference uh, title race. They're and they fish- jumped off sides in the final minute to uh, yep. for uh, Navy to get a first down, and it was really bad. <laughs> yep. 
Yep, not great. Uh, not great. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I think that it is a credit to their coaching staff that they lost by seven on the road against a team that was top 25 last week, and I am very disappointed in them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, they're about to go and have a shot to win 10 games next week against Tulane. Um, you know, so that, that's not to say that what happened last, yesterday wasn't disappointing because it absolutely was. I just, mm-hmm. I think that with this team right now, perspective is still important. They've still been fantastic this year. And, and I mean, again, they can get to 10 wins. They can get to 10 wins next <laughs> week against Tulane. That's ridiculous. Like, have, has there been a 10-win SMU in our lifetime? I don't think there has. Not in our lifetime. I think I that think we're going June, back I think to... I June Jones was like seven wins, maybe? I think he got to eight. Did he get uh, to eight? Okay. I'm, I'm pulling it up, but I think that... Uh, I think it's been since 82. He got to eight. Let's... He got to eight. Okay, I'm looking yeah. at that right now. He got to eight in 09. And yeah. then uh, before that, it was 1984 under Bobby Collins when they finished <laughs> number eight in the country. So, there you go. Not bad. Not bad, man. Not bad. And I do think that... that the defense played pretty well. The The issue just became that they were on the field for so long. Like, yep. they, they were on the field for probably over 40 minutes this game. They doubled, yeah, it was it – was they had uh, – Navy almost had 40 minutes of possession. Basically yeah. doubled them up. Yeah, and, and that's just – I mean, that's what Navy does, obviously, and it's, it's hard right. to prepare for. 73 uh, rushing attempts from Navy. <laughs> Man. Oh, Arkansas run the option, you cowards. But, I know, seriously. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, look, that's that's the biggest thing that Navy can do is is you can you can play them close, you can play really well on offense, and it still might not matter. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little disappointing for sure, but uh, but nothing to be truly concerned about. And uh, yeah, so now they head into next week with a chance to win ten games. Uh, Mustangs, we are still very impressed with you. Let's move on to the number one team, the Baylor Bears. You know, we talked about this game pretty extensively from the Texas perspective, 24-3 to over Texas. Uh, what did you think of this from Baylor's perspective? Did they, did you, do you think that they assuaged any concerns brought on from, from how last week ended? Yes. Um, I think that they, because last week one of the things was, when Baylor wasn't getting pressure, wasn't blitzing, like they yeah. they looked pretty susceptible to an explosive offense, or at least to an offense that um, that was perfectly content with keeping things in front of the sticks. Right. And this week, te- I think Texas tried something like that, and it just it just didn't work. <laughs> Obviously, they don't have the receivers that Oklahoma does, so they right. can't, op- you know, get ten yards off of a five yard curl or something. But um, I think ba- at least. For the competition it was facing, an offense that we know can open it up, like Baylor had him in the pressure cooker for the entire game, pretty much. And yeah, um, offensively, I still don't like the fact that they're running Charlie Brewer this much. But no. you know, if it's working for most of the game, sure. But then they run him also when they're when yeah. they don't need to late in the game. When too, they're up three touchdowns out. with six minutes left, man. Like I it, don't, I just don't know why Charlie yeah. Brewer has been their primary runner. I understand. Really weird to me. I understand why it was against Oklahoma because I think sure. that that is a I think that that is a changeup. I think that that is a change of pace. Uh, the issue, the two issues that I have is one that shouldn't have continued against Texas late in this game. Like I understand early in the game too when um, you know because I think that you think that he is your best way to generate rushing offense, but when you go up, you know, twenty-one to three, that's yeah. when you can be like, all right, 
we still have this in our pocket, but we also, I mean, their running backs played pretty well too. You know, that's yeah. that's the thing that's most frustrating. Like, John Lovett, I remember, got one inside zone carry, and my God, it was awesome. He went 22 yeah. yards for a touchdown. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I don't know why you're not running more of that. And um, I don't know. It's just, it's definitely just a little frustrating for me to, to watch uh, this offense not trust its running backs because mm-hmm. you have a guy there in Jamichael Hasty who I think will get NFL looks next year, and you have a guy there in John Lovett who's been a reliable runner for now going on his third season, and you have a guy there in Trust Nebner who's been a little bit banged up, but but who has played well when given the opportunity. Like, you have guys there, and that doesn't even mm-hmm. count some of the freshmen who were pretty high on, you know, guys like Quaylen Jones, guys, uh, you know, Squirrel Williams still, still in there. I think he might still be fighting back from an injury, but, like, you got running backs. That's not an yeah. issue for you. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, the next few weeks, uh, whether they start to trust the running backs a little more, because you just can't run Brewer this much, man. Like, he's just, it's just not no, fair to him. Right, because here's the thing. They're also not going to, 28 to 3 is not going to happen against Oklahoma again. No. Right? And so, like, you're not going to be able to, I feel like Oklahoma, the next time they play Oklahoma, is gonna, they're going to be, Oklahoma's going to try to quick strike them. And they're yeah. going to try to get up 10 nothing really quick. And you can't run Charlie Brewer 20 times a game when you're chasing a game. Even right. if you're down a touchdown, right? Yeah. You can't be running Charlie Brewer 20 times a game because guess what? You're going to need him to make those downfield throws. And he can't do that if he's getting hit every play. He's not a big right. dude. Right. And and that's the other thing, too, where, like, you know what? If you go down 10-0, I want to see you, like, try to uh, to mix things up with the run game. I just want to yeah. see it from your running backs. You know, I right. want to see I want to see John Lovett get four yards. Like, that's the thing mm-hmm. is that they are at a point right now, I believe, with their offensive line where they feel pretty good about being able to get four yards almost yeah. every single time. And, you know, and, and I understand, you know, there's they're not very explosive in the running game necessarily. You know, they're not elite in the running game by any means. They don't have elite running backs. They don't have elite offensive line. But... I think that they're at the point right now where if you run the ball inside the tackles, you can get four yards with them. And I think that if you are an offense that wants to be predicated on play action and wants to be predicated on zone read, uh, probably mm-hmm. more the latter with this quarterback, that's what this is. <laughs> you know, That's mm-hmm. what this is, is this is a, uh, you know, that's how you do it. You have running backs who can get a couple of yards every single play. And I think that they are at that point, and I don't know why they're not playing like it. Right. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, especially because now we don't really know Charlie Brewer's status officially for next week. The um, the words so. that I was hearing is that he seems like he's okay. Um, okay. Apparently, apparently, what happened actually kind of weird is well, not super weird is that first of all, I did you see the hit? I, I, I saw some people claiming targeting. I don't think it was because only because Charlie Brewer's went into his head. Well, but I think that he was being swung by a defender is the issue. Right, like, that's the thing. Like, he, he swung... I, I know there was a... The defender that hit him with his helmet, right? It yeah. was a helmet-to-helmet contact, but... And it, and it, it was, was a more, crown of the helmet, too, to me. I think... I, I just think it was the idea that Charlie Brewer went into... He didn't launch, and yeah. I think Charlie Brewer more went into his helmet as opposed to him launching his helmet into yeah. Charlie Brewer. Yeah. I think that I think that's where they aired on the side. I don't even know if they looked at it or not, but I feel they like didn't. that's something they could have hid behind if they wanted to really go in and look at it. Right. Well, the funny thing was that apparently the refs told Rule that Brewer needed to to basically 
go off because yeah, he got hit right, in the right. head. You know, so I think it's just a little confusing to say we know he got hit in the head clearly and then like, oh, but we're Didn't not even going to look at it, you know. Right. But um, so apparently, like, apparently they would have been perfectly fine keeping Charlie out there. And Charlie said he was all right now at the same time. I think obviously, uh, I think obviously <laughs> I hate bets. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and they, they didn't say that they weren't going to evaluate him by any means, but, um, right. but, you know, I think that the refs kind of initiated him being taken off. So I think that they feel like he's okay. Apparently he was in the locker room celebrating with everybody just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't think that they think there's going to be any issue, but also, I mean, I remember, uh, I remember last year when, when we thought that Charlie Brewer might not have a concussion and then he went one for eight with three interceptions the next week. Now, I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to happen. And I think that they also have more faith in their backup. But, uh, you know, just just something dumb to watch as they uh, as they go and play Kansas next week. But, right. but you know, again, we've said a lot of negative things. But I think at the same time, I mean, they were able to do some consistent things offensively for the first time in a couple of weeks. Um you know, and obviously defensively, they are freaking maniacs, man. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I, I will say, what did you think of Tom Herman's decision to call a timeout to get into the end zone with one second left in the game? Oh my god, are you serious? Like, come, seriously, dude? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I, I, some of these, I don't know, irrational decisions like that drive me nuts. It's like you're just getting your guys potentially hurt. It does yeah. nothing. It doesn't even like the players don't even feel good about it because it's like cool. We got a cheap touchdown. Great. It's almost. It's like, almost like I don't want to use the word pathetic, but like no, it's, it's just like a sad field goal. Yeah. It's like sad field goal when you're down fifty <laughs> right. and you kick a field goal. It's like why? What's the point of that? Well, I'll tell you what. I I'll, I will tell you the reason why I think he did do it. Not not really, but <laughs> the reason that I think he did do it. Uh, do you mm. know the last time that Texas was held without a touchdown <laughs> in oh, a football God. game? No, I don't. The last game of the Charlie Strong era. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, it, it's it's honestly even funnier to me to say that they were held out for 59 minutes and 59 seconds. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, it's man. So dumb. It's so dumb. Yeah. It was as it was as dominant a. Uh, in fact, actually, an A and M fan I saw uh, told me this was exactly the the A uh, and M Clemson game down to A and M scoring <laughs> a meaningless touchdown in the last seconds. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. And that's basically what it felt like. And you know, it's just, his defense is going to be oh, we go down swinging to the yeah. last yeah. whistle. This is a culture building play. Excuse. Like you know, we just stupid. Uh, and it's dumb. Yeah, Sam was asked about it. Uh, Char- uh, not Charlie, uh, Tom Herman was not, um, you know. But Sam was basically like, I mean, I'm gonna try to get in the end zone every second until yeah, the game is his, over. It's not yeah, his for fault, sure, for yeah. sure. But like, <laughs> you don't really That's need so, to call that play. So dumb. But um, no, I was I was very impressed with uh, with Baylor's defensive bounce back. It looked like they did a much better job of trying to keep them off the field too. And uh, mm-hmm. and obviously a big part of that is just you know the fact that like you said. I mean, they don't have Theo Weiss who can turn four yards into seven, and right. and that's you know a big deal, and that's something that I'm curious uh, how Baylor responds to, um, you know, when they do play Oklahoma the next time because it is guaranteed now we do have a set Big Twelve championship game Baylor versus Oklahoma, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, unfortunately, it looks like they'll be the only team uh, in FBS playing for a conference championship from the state of Texas. But uh, I guess it just means we got to keep a close eye on them. Um, you know, SMU right. officially eliminated yesterday. 
Uh, nobody from Conference USA came close, obviously, after North Texas collapsed on itself. Um, you know, A&M obviously doesn't have a shot against LSU. Like, right. you know, so, so it wasn't necessarily super unexpected, but um, but those are the only teams. Oh, that, that does make uh, – I, I do want to talk about one thing. Mm-hmm. A&M Commerce, man. Oh, yeah. They, they went and beat Tarleton State. Tarleton State hasn't lost a game against a Lone Star Conference team in two years since they lost – in 2017, to the national title AM Commerce team. That's the last time that Tarleton lost a Lone Star Conference game. That is wild. Yeah, I saw you tweeting about that, and it was... I mean, you know, what more can you say, man? Commerce, Coach Bailiff, man, he knows how to get it done. <laughs> dude, dude. I mean, they, they obviously, you know, first season without Colby Carthel, they hired mm-hmm. a dude who knows how to coach ball, man. And it yeah. is it is impressive. And, and look... Obviously, they have a tough path. I mean, I think they're going to have to go on the road basically every game for the playoffs just because of where they were seeded. And mm-hmm. I, I know that that'll probably culminate if they can make it uh, against uh, Minnesota State Mankato. And that's that sucks, you know, playing at Minnesota State. But but hey, you know what? We kind of joke about it, but there's a, there's an air of truth to it, man. You can't count out champions. And, um, you know, this is an a Commerce team with a lot of players still left from that 27 title. And uh, they just managed to make enough plays. So credit to them. Uh, Tarleton State officially is no longer a Division II program in football. They will never play mm-hmm. another Division II game. So, uh, And they go out. I mean, I, this, this is a little mean, but, uh, but they went out uh, as they lived, losing to AM Commerce. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but congratulations to Commerce in all seriousness, and congratulations to Tarleton. I mean, they... The last two years, I mean, we really thought that they could win the title this year. I mean, so that's why this yeah. is, you know, such a surprising result. So, all right. Huh. Man, these just keep getting longer and longer. We just keep having to talk about Tim Beck over and over again. And <laughs> I, I just, man, I don't know what year this is anymore. <laughs> well, again, if you haven't as yet, um, you can find all of our work at textfootball.com. Please subscribe to this show uh, on either Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I think that we should be on basically everything by now. And uh, and if you can, please leave a five-star review. Please subscribe. Uh, please subscribe to our website, textfootball.com slash subscribe. It is high school football season, which means that we just have an insane amount of premium content going up at the moment. So, uh, so keep an eye on that. And, uh, Ish, unless you got anything else. Oh, by the Texas Basketball Magazine. You can uh, actually figure out where it is, texasbasketball.com. There's a, uh, a tracker now where you can figure out which stores are carrying it. So make sure and check that out as well. It looks really cool on bookshelves. So, uh, and if you want to just order it straight from us, texasbasketball.com slash store. All right. Now, is there anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, thanks everybody for joining us as always. And we'll talk to you again on Wednesday.